0: BAM radio network. network do you have any recommendations for teachers in schools with no touch policies can they still employ these? <laughs> Welcome to Student Centricity, Practical Strategies for Teaching with Students at the Center. I'm Ray Pika. When we think of learning, the two senses that typically come to mind are sight and sound. Students look and they listen. But what about the sense of touch? Can it play a role in learning? If so, how much of a role? That's what we're discussing today on Student Centricity, and with me are Sian Bylock, Jessica Leahy, and Joan Young. Welcome to all of you. Sian, you're convinced that academic learning is inherently connected to the body, and you were quoted as saying, there's evidence that our ability to use our hands affects the structure and functioning of the brain. Tell us just a bit about that, specifically what touch is concerned.
1: Well, I'm very interested in how our bodies can be used as part of the learning process. And in my book, How the Body Knows its Mind, I talk about that. I talk about everything from how we're able to move our fingers and how that relates to our mathematical knowledge to gesture and how gesture can be used to enhance how students learn. And touch specifically, that also helps students learn? Being able to manipulate objects can often be very beneficial for learning. Um, And we've shown, for example, that when students are in physics classrooms and actually get to become part of physical systems. When they experience what they're doing, this can actually benefit their ability to understand abstract concepts like force and torque.
0: Oh, that's so cool. I'm I'm definitely going to get hold of your book. And you've used the example of young children learning to count on their fingers as evidence of your theories. So I've always thought that the fingers represented a visual aid to
1: counting. Are you saying that it's actually a tactile aid? Well, it turns out that some of the same areas of the brain that control our fingers are also the areas of the brain that we use to understand number. And when you think about it, it makes sense. Math is a relatively new evolutionary invention, and it's not that we developed an entirely new brain system for math. We essentially just duct taped it on something that already indexes our fingers. And so our fingers are intimately tied with our ability to count and understand number. And in my book, I talk about how we can capitalize on it and why this is one reason perhaps that students who play a musical instrument who use their fingers tend also to be fairly proficient in math.
0: Oh, it's fascinating. Joan, as a former K1 teacher, did you see that using manipulatives had a positive impact on the children's learning?
2: Oh, definitely. I think that anytime kids could get their hands on something to count, to move around, they could make their own discoveries. In learning, and I think that that's a really powerful concept.
0: I agree. With play and experiential learning going the way of the dodo bird in far too many schools, what kind of tactile experiences do you think students absolutely must retain in the classroom, Joan?
2: Well, I definitely think that in early learning classrooms, manipulatives for counting, uh, manipulatives for literacy, where kids can move around letters, being able to move around and be just more actively involved are essential. So like tracing the shape of letters, that sort of thing? Yes, definitely, because I think tracing the shape of letters, learning how to write words, we use shaving cream and sand trays and all kinds of hands-on ways to get the body memory going when kids would learn. So I think as many of the senses as you can involve at one time, it's, it's critical
0: Absolutely agree. Jessica, you've explored the sense of touch from a a completely different angle. You've written that when you worked as a middle school teacher, you used touch on a daily basis to connect with your students. What did you subsequently learn about the connection between that kind of touch and learning?
3: You know, I've done a lot of research on relationships and the impact that relationships have on learning and on trusting relationships. And as David J. Linden points out in his book, Touch, the Science of Hand, Heart, and Mind, it's not that, you know, if I touch someone, suddenly it's going to make their brain light up and they're going to learn better. It's just that it helps build relationships between the teacher and the student, and it conveys this message that I'm your ally, I'm on your side, and that allows a student to relax and and learn better.
0: So give us a couple of examples of how teachers can use appropriate social touch with students to increase trust and and build those relationships.
3: Well, there's a lot of ways. One of my very favorite, though, um, has to do actually with um, dealing with problematic behavior. If you have a kid that you know, really can't control himself in class, wants to get distracted all the time, you can come up with a little signal, a little touch ahead of time and say, you know, how about if I come over and I touch your shoulder when I need to remind you just to refocus? And that lets the student know that you're working with the student to help them learn how to deal with their behavior. And it provides that wonderful little reminder in classroom, just as you're walking around from student to student and you put your hand on their shoulder or their elbow or whatever the agreement agreed spot was. And it helps them say, oh, that's right, I'm, I'm you know, I need to refocus. And so it teaches them um, that you're on their side, but it also teaches them about self-regulation, which is great, which is what everyone, every teacher wants.
0: Right, absolutely. And I like the collaborative piece of that as well. So Joan, as both a classroom teacher and a clinical psychologist, what are your recommendations regarding students needing touch from teachers?
2: Um, I think the point that Jessica just made that it's great to make it a collaborative effort where you check in with a student to determine what the best way for them is, is really important. I also work in a middle school now, and it's amazing that kids actually welcome touch. And so I would just say to teachers, be sure that you check in, and you also have a reflection afterwards on how it went and if it's working for them.
0: What kind of touch? We're talking high fives, handshakes?
2: All of it. I, I love uh, fist bumps when you celebrate, you know, that hard work pays off. I love handshakes at the door. Uh, really, it, it depends on the individual personality of the teacher because I think that kids know when we're being authentic.
0: Ah, absolutely. So, Jess, briefly, do you have any recommendations for teachers in schools with no-touch policies? Can they still employ these?
3: That's a tough one. You know, (laughs) um, one of the things that Doug Lamoff said in the article when I interviewed him um, was that you really, for me, touch has to be an expectation of the classroom so that even in a place where you're not supposed to be hugging students or whatever, it's still this thing that we, even if it's just the shoulder, the elbow, but as we're moving around the classroom, there's sort of this connecting that's happening all the time in these very small ways. So dare I say it, no touch policies, most of the teachers I talked to said they disregarded their school's no touch policies. And that, you know, that comes down to individual um, decisions by the teacher and what you're willing to risk and what you're willing to do. But most of the teachers I talked to that are in schools with no touch policies said it just wasn't a rule that they could follow in good conscience.
0: Ah, I love a little bit of rebellion. So, Sian, returning to tactile experiences, I think that when we consider the connection between touch and learning, we tend to think primarily of early childhood classrooms. You gave us an example earlier of, of physics class. Can you give us another couple of practical examples of how older students can employ touch to enhance
1: their learning? Well, our ability to use our hands and its impact on how we think is something that certainly has an impact early on in life, but also later in life. And our physical experience Experiences, our body um, can impact our mind even into older age. So, we look, for example, in high school and college classrooms in terms of thinking about physics experience and understanding abstract concepts that are hard to ground in reality. And the point is that anything that you can put in physical terms then tends to have another metric or way for students and others to understand it. But our physical experience matters at all sorts of ages. It's why exercise is not only good for physical development, but it's actually, it turns out, really good for cognitive performance, both at young ages and even in older adults.
0: Can you give the teachers listening another concrete example of of using touch in the classroom to enhance learning?
1: Well, another example that I talk about in How the Body Knows Its Mind is gesture. So it turns out that when students are solving math problems, say equivalence problems, where you have to decide and make one side equal to the other, students often have have issues. It's hard for them to understand what an equal sign means. And there's research that I talk about in my book showing that oftentimes, even though students are saying the wrong answer verbally, they're actually making the right gestures, gestures that suggest that they know what's going on. And one idea is that if teachers can capitalize on what students are doing with their hands, they can be better able to help and yoke their teaching to the student, maybe enhancing the learning process. And actually, when you get students to gesture, to actually make movements on the side, two sides of an equation with their hands, as they're saying, to make one side equal to the other, they're more likely to get what an equal sign really means.
0: That is just so interesting. Well, ladies, thank you so much for being here. I love this topic, and I'm very grateful that you joined me today to discuss it. The research shows that the more senses used in the learning process, the more information retained. But beyond early childhood, it's probably difficult for most teachers to imagine employing touch in the learning process. Whether we're talking about manipulating objects and abstract ideas or the power of personal touch, I'm delighted that there's now plenty of research out there showing that this sense should take its rightful place in the classroom. We asked our guests to give us the most important points they want you to garner from this discussion. You can read their closing comments and big takeaways as well as access additional resources by clicking the takeaways button on your screen now. This has been Ray Pico with Student Centricity, offering practical strategies for teaching with students at the Center. Thank you for listening.
1: This program is produced by Accretive Media for the BAM Radio Network. Thanks for listening.